1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the nice Trade Cast on RotoViz Radio. Brought to you by ourselves, Roto Viz. Pro Bowl week, or what would have been Pro Bowl week, is in the books. We are into Super Bowl week. Are we allowed to say that? Uh, We're into big game week. This isn't an ad. So actually, we're allowed to say the Super Bowl, as long as we're not talking about an ad. So we're into uh, the the big game week, Buccaneers versus the Chiefs in Tampa. Uh, I do have breaking news um, from the Twitter timeline. They're not going to allow Raymond James to fire the cannons during the Super Bowl. (laughs)
2: That's good. It shouldn't. Uh, it shouldn't be an overwhelming home field advantage.
1: Oh yes, because the 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 cannons are what would beat the Chiefs.
2: Yep. It's it's. Uh, well, I mean, I think historically that's true. <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> oh wow, that worked out way too well.
1: Oh boy. Um, so we're looking forward to Super Bowl week. We're getting our buffalo wings, our buffalo chicken dip ready. And last week we were supposed to end our ranking summit, but uh, Dan, he, he took a gastrointestinal pill and that wasn't <laughs> enough to do a tight end show last week. He's going to try and stomach a tight end show this week.
2: Yeah, I, I faked a bunch of really good reasons to not have to be there last week just so I didn't have to talk about tight ends. Uh, <laughs> no, real, real life uh, came into play. and Well, real life work but yeah so we're back we're we're finishing up the series today on quite easily the worst topic it's gonna get a little more enjoyable though when we get Kyle Pitts so you know there's that we have to look forward to but we won't be doing our rookie stuff for a while
1: yeah I mean I'm sure that will I mean I, I was gonna say that once the combine but there is no combine so um <laughs> we won't have a combine show in the next couple weeks but we do have the tight ends to talk about this evening and why don't we why don't we just get right into it and maybe maybe we can get to some big game predictions as we head out today tight end position some will say it's a tier of 1 some will say it's a tier of 2 i will say it's a tier of 2 but the the 2 is dropping because of age i have george kittle tight end 1 tier 1 and he's close to by himself what are you, are you saying you don't have Travis Kelsey? Uh, I mean, you don't you have you don't have George Kittle
2: tied in one. You said George Kittle, yeah, not Travis Kelsey. I did
1: say George Kittle, yes.
2: Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, George Kittle's number two, and he's in his own tier. But it is absolutely one hundred percent Travis Kelsey in tier one by himself, and there's probably a tier in between.
1: But why?
2: Because he's 31, he's at, he showed no signs of, of decline, and he's got the best quarterback in the history of the universe.
1: Sure, but George Kittle is 27. He's four years younger.
2: <laughs> and he's also got a quarterback not to be seen and hasn't produced. He's produced. Don't get me wrong. He has elite production. He does not produce what Travis Kelsey produces. I would take three years less of Kelsey for those numbers than three years more of Kittle.
1: Yeah, I mean when we do these nice rings, I, I say it over and over that I'm looking at it from a startup lens. There will never be a startup draft where I draft a Travis Kelsey. No, will never be a startup draft where I draft right. a 31-year-old tight end ever. I mean, even if, even if Gronk had a healthy career and was at 31, not going to happen. But I will say, I, it's a tier of two. I, I might've been a bit, a bit hyperbolic by saying Kelsey is not even in the top tier. He's in the top tier with George Kittle. I, we just haven't seen this type of, like, we haven't seen this 100 catch, you know, 1,000-plus yard, 10-plus touchdown seasons from 31-year-old tight ends. We're seeing it from Kelsey now. We have Patrick Mahomes. But it's how, how long is this, this sustainable?
2: Well, I think it's sustainable as long as Travis Kelsey stays healthy, and he's proven that he can do that um, because we know he's going to get the work. That offense features him, and I think it needs to in order to continue to succeed it kind of leans on Travis Kelsey because he really is an unstoppable force. You can only hope to contain the man. And George Kittle is very good. He does everything very well, very similarly to Travis Kelsey, different offense, different, uh, you know, opposing weapons that don't necessarily help get him open. Now, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel will start to help get Kittle open, but we also need to see all of these guys healthy. And, we also have to worry about Ayuk and Debo potentially taking some of that work. The only person that, that Kelsey has to d- compete with is Tyreek Hill. And it's not a, a big volume thing for Hill. Hill is pretty efficient. He's more of a big play type guy. And we know they're feeding Travis Kelsey. We don't know that they're going to feed George Kittle all the time, especially now that Shanahan's starting to get more toys to play with. And I would expect them to add running backs into the mix as well soon and and get some of Shanahan's guys, not the dead bodies of Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, Matt Breida, those types. Uh, I I think we really start to see the San Francisco offense develop everything except quarterback.
1: Yeah, and quarterback is not necessarily like guaranteed not going (laughs) to – there is going to be change of quarterback, I think. I, I don't see Jimmy Garoppolo starting week one for the 49ers. I think that they end up trading up in a big trade to move up and get a quarterback. Or there's the Watson opportunity as well. So I, Or even the Kirk Cousins opportunity, which I think any of those guys – a rookie, Kirk Cousins, Watson, any of those guys are a huge upgrade over Garoppolo. And so I don't like to make valuations. I don't like to make moves based off of potential. But – Yes, Kelsey has Mahomes, but Kittle's situation can be improving quickly. Might take some obstacles, but I'll take the the age factor here and just roll with Kittle.
2: So, in order for San Francisco to bring in a different quarterback, it's going to take some serious maneuvering. Uh, they still have two big boy years of Jimmy Garoppolo's contract left. And dead cap no, isn't he, isn't no, as yeah, bad. No.
1: His dead cap is the out of all the quarterbacks that people have been rumored, he's the one that like. And I, I made you know myself look ridiculous last week by saying it's so hard to trade these quarterbacks. And what? Ha- oh, we haven't we didn't bring it up because we're talking tight ends. We have the Stafford and golf trade that we. But the Stafford golf trade proved okay. These teams are willing to eat this cap. I was not anticipating two franchises eating ten plus million dollars in cap, and both the Lions and Rams did it.
2: Right. So I would still assume that they're going to have to move Jimmy Garoppolo with which with the dead cap shouldn't be difficult. Finding someone to take him may end up proving a little more difficult than they may think. But then making sure that they have the cap space to take on whoever they bring in, because if they bring in Derek Carr or if they if they try to make a big move and go get like Aaron Rodgers, you don't have the cap space to get those guys yet.
1: Well, sure. But also also a big trade up for a a Lance or a Wilson, like in the rookie, obviously the rookie uh, option is not a cap option.
2: Right. And um, uh, this isn't a quarterback's episode, but quarterback for me in this sense means a lot more than it does further down the list. Um, Separating these two. I mean, the Mahomes factor is essentially everything, which is why I have Travis Kelsey where I have him. It's, and you said you don't like to base your moves off of potential, every, every avenue, aside from probably Aaron Rodgers, which is still just a potential thing, is all based on potential. There isn't any surefire certain 100%. The only 100% we have in this equation is that Travis, McEl- Travis Kelsey has Patrick Mahomes, and that's unstoppable.
1: Alrighty, let's move on to our next tier. Might be some early, uh, early disagreements.
2: It's going to get weird. I can guarantee that. Here we
1: go. All right. So I'm going to say my next tier is a tier of three. It is Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews.
2: So before I get to my younger folks, I have to start that second tier with a guy in his prime who's producing like a madman in an offense that has he, no other weapons. He's weapon. right
1: outside this tier.
2: <laughs> Darren Waller. He's only 28, and he's been the guy that's produced the way we want all of these other guys to produce, and he's doing it in an offense that doesn't have other weapons. Um, there's, a, I, in my opinion, he's closer to Kittle than Kittle is to Kelsey. That,
1: that, I think that might be a hot take. I mean... I think part of Waller, you said it, the lack of weapons that, like, when Oak, when when Rugg starts to get more involved, when Brian, Brian Edwards starts to get more involved, this large target volume is going to decrease over time. Yes, he's good, but I'm just not sure he's top five tight end good that can overcome, you know, weapons outside of himself.
2: I think that's probably where we differ. I see Darren Waller as one of the premier move tight ends. He was a wide receiver that I fell in love with in the draft process when he was a rookie. And he made the transition to tight end. It took a little bit of time, but I mean, we're seeing the fruits of that right now. He's absolutely what we would want someone like Evan Ingram to be. All of these guys that are going to be right behind him for me, uh, this is what we're hoping for in two years, right? We, we hope they can put up Darren Waller numbers. But Darren Waller's doing it now, and he's only 28.
1: Yeah, and my thought is always, this is a forward-thinking game. How much is he going to be able to re- repeat it as the weapons develop around him? And I, I'm not, obviously, I have a one spot lower. I, I have him at a tight end six after these three. So I, it's not like I'm saying, you know, throw him in the trash can here. I just think the, ups- the long-term upside, the long-term sustainability is higher with Fant, Hawkinson and Andrews.
2: Okay, and that's that's totally fair. And for reference, so Waller is three for me. I have then Mark Andrews, Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, and then TJ Hawkinson. Um I, I thought about sliding Hawkinson down just a little bit because of now no Matthew Stafford, but we'll see what what that offense brings, I guess. Maybe Stafford wasn't the one propping him up, and maybe maybe Watson can do that or um
1: I mean that that offense is going to be bad but he is going like Hawkinson Hawkinson could do could do what Waller has done in in Vegas slash Oakland where he's the only show in town he's going to get this funnel of targets I'm not saying that the Lions are going to enter 2021 with Quintus Cephas as their wide receiver one but Hawkinson is a candidate to be a high target tight end simply because there's not much around him
2: right right so uh, you know he he could be higher. He's he and Fant are, are the youngest of this group. And I think the youngest of the real premier tight ends, I just, I, I struggle with what that offense is going to look like. And if he can, if he can do it consistently enough, I, I feel like his big, the big missing opportunity is consistency with Hawkinson. When he does it, he's great. But a lot of times he disappears or he's hurt. Uh, and that's kind of the nature of the beast with tight end for the most part. But uh, I really hope to see Baltimore and, and Lamar Jackson get back to what we saw last year in in the passing game and see Mark Andrews return to that. I think Mark Andrews, again, is one of the better tight ends in the league, and he's got an offense that favors the position. They just kind of got away from it, I, I think, a little bit this year. It could potentially be a really nice buy low opportunity. And Noah Fant is someone I, I just I genuinely think even with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. He'll continue to produce as well because he's that good.
1: Yeah, and with, with Fant, I, I think that Fant has a higher ceiling than Hawkinson. I think Hawkinson has the higher floor, but when Fant puts things together, when Fant has an actual quarterback, he can enter the the Kittle Kelsey tier.
2: Oh, absolutely. I don't I
1: don't, I don't. I don't think Hawkinson can. I don't think. I think Hawkinson. This is his ceiling, but I think his floor is not much below this. Uh, whereas Fant, his ceiling is tied in one overall.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I think Hawkinson's one of those guys that's just kind of stuck in that mid tight end one conversation. He's not going to be able to move up a whole lot, you know, depending on what his offense does around him. And he's really not going to go too much lower because he's kind of always going to have that value of it's TJ Hawkinson, all of the draft capital. What if, Hey, we have to wait for tight ends to start producing. That's just how tight ends work normally. So, I, I do agree with that. I think TJ is one of those guys that has a, a very similar floor and ceiling.
1: And then to wrap up this tier with Andrews, he didn't have quite the 2020 that we were hoping for here, but that Baltimore offense was just so weird. Like, it wasn't as good as 2019, but it could have been worse. But they should have been using Andrew more. Am I wrong?
2: Oh, well, yeah. The fact that he had. I mean, he only played 14 games, I guess. So he didn't even have 90 targets. Should have definitely had more than that. He still went 58 for 701 and seven, which I guess across 16 games is probably close to just about what he did last year. I just feel like the volume needs to be there. And we know it's not going to be a volume passing offense. Amar Jackson isn't a volume thrower. He needs to be more efficient. We need Hollywood Brown to, to become a little more consistent. I think that's just going to help everyone. Once they make the full-time move to J.K. Dobbins, I think that offense starts to click a little bit better. Everyone gets back on the same page. Lamar Jackson bounces back after, I mean, he was a world beater um, in 2019. And we kind of – we saw Baltimore as a whole. Like you mentioned, they they were just weird. They got away from what they do best. And they kind of just – we're almost boring, which is really weird because Lamar Jackson is one of the most exciting players in the NFL.
1: Well, they, they weren't comfortable getting Dobbins involved early, early on enough, and they weren't comfortable getting creative with Dobbins. Like, all right, all right we got J.K. Dobbins in, we're going to run a halfback dive for three yards.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed
1: And after a a whole off season of having Dobbins in the facility, you know, you know, practicing with Jackson, I'm hoping that they're able to get him more involved in the passing game and you know get more creative than you know your traditional halfback toss.
2: I th- they just really need to trust Lamar Jackson with the offense more, and I th- and I think with that, going back to what 2019 was, you're going to see the whole offense the you know the premier players in the offense whether it's mark andrews or hollywood brown or jk dobbins all be more successful because they have the trust in lamar jackson to make those plays to make those reads when he has to uh it's it, yeah 2020 was weird
1: all righty now let's go on to our next tier. actually I've, i feel like i've been introducing all the tiers here what would be your next tier? <laughs>
2: Okay, so just a mini recap here: um, Kelsey Kittle one, two. However, you have them. I had Darren Waller at the beginning of this tier. Nathan had him at the end of this tier. Uh, Mark Andrews, Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson. Did you have Dallas Goddard in that tier as well? I,
1: I have got I I have Goddard after Waller, and I I, I don't have him in that tier. So I, just talking about Goddard, I I think that he's just he's unfinished. And that when he gets when he gets finished, he he has the ceiling of the tight end one overall like Fant does, but it, I mean it can't just be the fact that he's behind Ertz the reason why he's not a superstar yet. Like he is a monster. He has a you know if you want to build a tight end, look at Dallas Goddard. Yep, he he should create a great <laughs> player tight end. It's Dallas Goddard, and obviously the the quarterback situation is in flux in Philly as well. But I love him. I think that he's very talented and. Can be very good, but out of every guy we've talked about so far, he has by far the the lowest weekly floor. I'm not saying he has a low. I, I think for in terms of a long term perspective, his floor isn't low. Like he's his floor is realistically a low end tight end one, but his weekly floor is like two targets, one catch for eight yards. Like that's a legitimate game that he'll have several times next year.
2: Oh, absolutely. And and you know how I play dynasty. You know what I, I, my tendencies are. Having Dallas Goddard where I do is kind of a surprise to me honestly because i am normally the floor play i I kind of rank and value players more on their floor less on their ceiling having goddard here is fully a ceiling play for me i don't think he has a whole lot of wiggle room to go up uh you know he could get to that super tier but it's going to require earth's volume and only goddard getting it right Uh, so uh, that's that's kind of the jump we need to see again, inconsistencies. He's only 25 or 26. Um, this is the start of the tight end prime. We, we get that three year window when they learn how to play football. But in that period, Dallas Goddard's produced decently. He hasn't been a world beater yet. He He's not putting up crazy numbers, but he's doing enough to kind of shine light on what should be coming in this next Portion of his career, and, and honestly, he should be probably a little, a tiny bit higher. um But again, that's thinking on potential rather than being a little more realistic with him. So, uh, what, what, I, what
1: tight end overall do you have? Because I have a tight end seven.
2: I have him at six, so we're basically the same. Yeah. It's just a, probably a tier difference.
1: Yeah,
2: I have him within yeah. that tier.
1: Yeah, and te- technically, I, I would have said that like T J H. Andrews, I, like those guys, I'm taking over Waller and Goddard every time. I think Waller and Goddard is a team discussion. I'm like, okay, do I want to win in 2021? Give me Waller. Am I willing to take a bit of a risk? Goddard.
2: Okay. And, and that's completely fair. So then, so we've got through our top seven here, correct? You yes. worked your seven. Okay. Eight for me, I, I think this is a pretty clean line in the sand to start a new tier. I have Evan Ingram here. I still think he's a very good tight end, and I still think he's a very good football player. Again, a good football player, though. I do. He was not a good football player
1: in 2020 at all.
2: But that whole offense was bad. He's not going to shine with Daniel Jones throwing him passes, and they have zero wide receivers, no Saquon Barkley. It is a losing proposition. I still think he's one of the best move tight ends in the NFL. I don't expect him to be out there blocking. I expect him to be out there playing wide receiver, and I think he's one of the better ones to do it. I just thoroughly despise his offense and I could probably have him higher, but I, I think this is as high as he could be right now.
1: Yeah, I, I have him at tight end nine. So one spot below where we are, but for me, I'm I'm scared of the floor that we saw in 2020 that, you know, he could play his way out of the NFL with how he, how he was playing in 2020. But like you said, maybe give him a bit of a mulligan and he does have the high ceiling of, you know, one of the better move tight ends in the NFL when he's playing well. Um, so, yeah, I, I have him at tight end nine after uh, one Mike Gaseki, who I have one spot above him.
2: I'm, I'm a little bit lower uh, on Gaseki, But before we hop into Gesecki and the rest of these guys, let's hear, hear a quick word from our lovely, lovely sponsor, our lovely friends, Rotoviz
3: ourselves. What's up, Road of His listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Road of His Radio and one of the co hosts of the Road of His Overtime podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into to another Road of His Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Road of His NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRadio2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Road of His website, the best tools and content in the business or the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show.
2: Okay, and again, that is promo code rv radio 2021 make sure you get on over save yourselves a little bit of money and get all of the fun stuff that you need to succeed so getting back into it nathan's got gasecki a little bit higher i do have him as a tight end one he's at the very end of this tier for me i have him at 12 but honestly i think everyone from where i have evan Ingram at eight to where i have mike gasecki at 12 are the same person, interchangeable value-wise, um, the only, well, I, there's a couple in here, but do you, do you kind of see this group kind of jumbled together of, of could-be's, should-be's, I mean, this is like your superstars in the waiting or really could make a huge leap group?
1: Uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll just go through what I have over the next few. So I have, I have Gaseki, Ingram, Irv. And then I think there's a small tier break, of then you got logan thomas or er, Hurst. that's what i have here
2: wow okay uh i don't have either of those two you just mentioned anywhere near that Ertz I, or Hurst. You, correct i so at eight i have evan ingram at nine i have hunter henry i know he's a pending free agent you could see uh, him on the move
1: that, this happens every time that's the one i missed i i, I, would, have <laughs> yeah. I, I would have henry after Irv.
2: Okay. And, and I have, I, I wanted Irv nine. I had to put Hunter Henry in there just because when he is on the field, he's, he's a tight end one. It's just, there's no way around it. Irv Smith again is a big potential play for me. I really thought he was going to do more in 2020. They still decided to just not use tight end, which, uh, you know, Minnesota is going to Minnesota and Irv. And another one of the guys that I, I absolutely love um, is Johnny Smith who I have at 11. I know he could also be on the move. I would really like to see Tennessee keep him around the way that they did Delaney Walker for another contract, but I guess that's up to them. So again, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, Irv Smith, John Smith, and then Mike Gasecki at 12. Uh, Anybody there you disagree with or have significantly lower?
1: I I, I have Smith down to 16, um, but that's the only you know, discrepancy of what the guys you just went through, but I'm not against it. It's more so, I, I feel like we've been waiting on, I mean, I know we always wait on tight ends, but I feel like we've been waiting on Smith to happen. And it's like, okay, if it's not going to happen now, when's it going to happen?
2: I, and yeah, that's that's a, a very, very valid point. Uh, I think the big difference in in separating him from someone like Hayden Hurst is when he's doing when he's out there and they're using him, He's a game changer. Hayden Hurst isn't taking over a game. He's no, but they st-
1: they're using him, and I, I, I will eat up those targets. I will eat up those red zone <laughs> targets. I will take a bait, a, ba- a bath in them. I'll take a bath in those targets, especially when I'm talking about tight end. I'm trying to get as cheap as possible, and Hayden Hurst is the cheapest targets you can buy in tight ends right now.
2: Well, then that's why you should have him lower. um okay so uh, kind of similar for the most part we we disagree on some of the other guys Uh, so and i know did you mention logan Logan thomas you had in there
1: yeah logan thomas at 12.
2: okay i have him at, at 13. Uh, right behind that tier. I have him in the next one following 29 going on 30, not a huge deal for tight end. We see tight ends produce into that early 30 stage. Uh, My big concern is Washington football team being absolutely God awful. No quarterback that we know of, I would assume they draft one or trade for one or sign one, whatever it happens to be. And we have to worry about Antonio Gibson getting targets Potentially J.D. McKissick, who knows if he's sticking around getting targets and obviously Terry McLaurin getting targets and, you know, Kelvin Harmon could still potentially be a thing. Uh, don't he even start
1: Kelvin Harmon.
2: I don't know, man. They liked him. He just can't stay healthy. <laughs> um, I like Logan Thomas. I think Logan Thomas is is good. I don't think he's great but it's... it's see, cheap I, I
1: see him as the opposite of Hurst. I think that you're paying a lot for each one of, of Logan Thomas' targets.
2: Oh, see, I think you'd get him for less than Hayden Hurst at this point.
1: No chance. No chance. Huh.
2: I mean, Interesting.
1: I mean, I, I guess we have to pull up ADP to really pr- to prove anything, but uh, which, which I'll do as we're talking, but I, I would assume that that uh, Logan Thomas with his end of his season has skyrocketed.
2: That's That's very possible. I guess he could be up in that that Hunter Henry range. Okay, so um, we can kind of push that one to the side just for the time being. Uh, up next, I've got Sir Eric Ebron because it's Eric Ebron, right? We have to have him somewhere. He he just continues to linger, and this year he actually kind of produced a little bit.
1: Uh, Eric Ebron's the exact guy I don't want on my fantasy <laughs>
2: rosters. There's
1: just there's nothing. There's nothing to like. He's new,
2: Jared, he's new Jared Cook. That's my call. He's new Jared Cook. Okay.
1: I, I mean, I can I can see it, but I, I have him much, much lower. I have him at tight end 24. Um, Whoa! Yeah, but I'm not saying that the guys ahead of him probably won't have, like, the guy, there are several guys that have ahead of him that won't have as good of careers as Eric Ebron, but I'll take that risk on the fact that I know that they're not Eric Ebron. <laughs>
2: That's that's a reverse name value, I think, is what that's what that's actually called. Uh, I can respect it taking somebody off the list because of how many times you've been burned in the past. That's that's completely fair. Uh, Austin Hooper, I have here along are, with David are Njoku. You,
1: are you are you ready for how wrong you were on uh, Logan Thomas versus Hayden Hurst?
2: Oh, is it not even close?
1: Logan Thomas, 119, tight end 12, and Hayden Hurst, 156, tight end 19.
2: So you have him way too high. He's he's bad. He's not good. He's getting used, but he's not good.
1: All right. Let's go through uh, some more guys in this area. So, Johnny Smith, we just talked about him. Oh, uh, Austin Hooper. Do you have him in this area?
2: Yep. I, I have Austin Hooper and David Njoku back-to-back.
1: Oh, okay. I, I, have, I have Njoku lower, and I thought I would be higher on him than you, but apparently not. But we'll talk about Njoku in a little bit. But as far as Hooper, I think he's just going to be st- – somewhat of a high floor play at this point where I, I don't really see Cleveland investing a ton at wide receiver. And the, I'm, and Harrison Bryant's a guy who I have a few, a few spots below as well. But, you know, Hooper has the contract in Cleveland. He's going to be a guy who probably gets you, you know, six to eight targets a game when he's healthy. And that's fine for his end.
2: Yeah, well, you know, we'll see what Cleveland does, whether they try to move Odell or uh, they try to trade, uh, david joke i don't know does he is, is his rookie contract up now
1: Njoku probably
2: okay so uh, theoretically it's austin hooper's job right we don't think that uh, brian mean, they, they did
1: it. like Harrison Bryant though
2: yeah but you go out and spend the money on austin hooper you'd expect you would expect to use him you know and maybe they move to the two tight end sets a little bit more and then um do something with odell uh, and whether you keep if you keep odell that offense i in my opinion is still more dynamic but they seem to produce better without odell which is eh, <laughs> to try to explain that um so yeah i i do still think david and has i mean a world of potential it's just been crazy inconsistent and consistent and injury littered there's no there's no way around it it's 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 just been not good so far
1: all right so now i'll run through my tight end 17 through we'll go with 21 we have i have cole Komet, oj howard adam troutman harrison bryant and tyler higby
2: uh pretty similar uh, i don't have harrison bryant in my in, uh in my top 24 i guess I, no he's 23 my cole Komet's right there oj howard's right there tyler higby uh, I think those guys are, are pretty darn similar. Uh, I know I think both of us still think the world of o j howard obviously it's concerning that no one uses him. I still think he's a very good football player I, but
1: I, I, do, I mean that that Buck's offense was lost at the beginning of the season, and he was injured before it found itself. I would have loved to see o. j. Howard in that Buck's offense from weeks 14 to present day
2: yeah because it would have been a big time change over Gronk think about Brady getting him the ball instead of Jameis Winston right I mean that's and we all know how much Brady loves his tight ends we see what Cameron Brate has done over the 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 life of the Bucks and what he did with Jameis Winston so uh, I still think there's something there for OJ Howard to be had Uh, it's unfortunate that we have to have him down here in the 20 range but you know, production production is everything. And he just doesn't have it
1: that. And I'm pretty sure Achilles, that was the injury, right? And those right. usually that's not, aren't good. <laughs> that's
2: not, that's not great for a, a large human, uh, like OJ Howard, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. I, I like Gerald Everett. I, I think he's probably the better player, but the Rams seem hell bent on, on getting Higby involved. Not this year as much. I don't feel like either tight end really did a ton this year. um, Coming into the season, I know some people were still very, very high on Tyler Higby. All of those people got burned, but I, I feel like he was kind of fool's gold uh, as far as you know, kind of fringe tight end one because I think that's kind of where he came through last off season because of his previous production and the lack of usage of Gerald Everett. So um, I have both those guys like in this top and uh, within five of each other. Gerald Everett's I think twenty five for me, uh, but Cole Komet is an interesting one. I think that's probably where where we wrap and have a conversation about Cole Komet because he was the first tight end drafted. Yeah. Yeah. And goes to a notoriously friendly tight end team, I I guess tight end offense. I feel like Cole Komet could genuinely leap 10 spots in, in the following season, maybe more if that offense Finds a quarterback. I'd love to see them get to Sean Watson. That offense becomes incredible. I don't think Allen Robinson sticks around if anything, but that happens. And even then that might be difficult. I don't know what the cap situation looks like. I'm guessing probably not great, but Cole Komet has all of the potential. And we saw him do some pretty good things. Never really a lot, though. I, I do no, think...
1: He did have some usage to end the season. Once once he started to get healthy, once he started to get his legs under him, he had seven targets, seven targets, two, six, eight, four targets. So six or more targets in four of the last six games. Not bad for a guy who basically didn't play for the first you know tw- 12 games of the season. So uh, I, I liked what I saw towards the end of the season for Komet. This is a guy who, who can get a lot of usage when you're drafted in the top 50 as tight end you're going to get that usage eventually and like you said there is the opportunity for that that quarterback situation to improve
2: yeah and as of right now not a lot of competition for targets you will have Tariq Cohen coming back uh who I do think is going to be a decent part of their offense when he uh, inevitably returns Allen Robinson potentially uh, you know maybe he resigns I would guess probably walks and finds himself a real quarterback for once in his career. And then uh, what's left Anthony Miller. Uh, I mean, is he, is he a thing or uh, do we still, do we think Darnell Mooney is someone that can make a leap and become a wide receiver in an NFL offense? I'm not sure. I I do think Cole Kmet could genuinely be a tight end one. And I think he could be it pretty quickly. I I, all, you know, if we get this kind of consistency at the beginning of next season, he immediately leapfrogs 10 guys.
1: Yep, for sure. All right, so let's wrap up with... We're not going to go through the rest of our list. We'll just talk about uh, one or two guys from the rest of your list or even beyond your list that you want to talk about. I want to talk about the Patriots' tight ends Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. I I recognize that both these guys, the floor is zero, but they're both day-two picks. They're both third-round picks, and that Patriots offense has room to grow for targets with wide receivers and tight ends. I'm hitching my wagon to both these guys at the cost of free and hoping one of them hits.
2: I think Devin Asiasi could be, could be something. Um, He's the perfect type of end of bench kind of guy to have. Uh, Someone has to take the job, right? Uh, You know, even, even if the volume isn't incredible, someone has to take that job. So, uh i think if anyone is going to end up becoming their move tight end or uh, you know a slot type w- res- uh, wide receiver it's going to be devin and i you know i i want to think that there's volume there and potential big time production i just there's so many parts that aren't in place yet for new england we don't know who's quarterback the wide receivers are hideous um backfield is a mess still you know damian harris maybe james white's probably still there as a pass catching back but there's so many question marks and tight ends no different for this team there's it's just a massive toss-up so should these guys be rostered absolutely should you be expecting a lot probably not are you going to get a lot in value for them no (laughs) because they're probably either free or you could probably get them for some waiver money
1: Absolutely. So any other guys you want to hit on before we wrap up?
2: One that I think could just randomly be something, and we all thought he could be something until CeeDee Lamb was drafted, is Blake Jarwin. Jarwin played the part, he looked good last year. Obviously the injury derailed all of that. Having CD Lamb derailed the other momentum that have potential. But if Dak is back, which I think we can all probably agree is the most likely outcome of the cowboy saga is that Dak returns tight end. Doesn't require a ton of targets to be relevant. We're talking 90 to hundred. If Dak throws it 600 times, 550 times, there's no reason to think Jarwin couldn't get enough of that to be relevant. That offense is going to be so good if he gets a portion of the red zone, it's lights out. And I would assume he returns as the starter day one when he's
1: back. Yeah, uh, I mean, I talked about it the last time when when we were doing the Jarwin talk last offseason. Like, okay, they could they're a candidate to invest at tight end uh they didn't do it um so once again i think they're a candidate to invest in tight end but who knows what their cap space with you know investing way too much money in zeke um but i think it's solid play i think that that's a very you know explosive offense when dax in with all those wide receivers and if i can get a piece of it in the form of the tight end i think it's a bad play
2: yeah and honestly it should be cheap or free uh, again that's kind of what we're looking for when you're when you're looking a little deeper at tight end is just trying to find something to fill roster space with that has genuine upside. You can't, I mean, anyone can just grab a name and throw it at the end of your bench, but these guys have genuine upside, not just, Hey, he might score seven points one time and you could have started him. If you picked the exact week that he scored seven points one time.
1: All right, let's wrap up with a little bit of super bowl slash bucks talk. So I'm going to, I'm going to do a little brain dump of my feelings, or I guess it'd be a feelings dump of how I'm (laughs) feeling right now as a Buccaneers fan. I went into the Saints game saying there's no way they beat the Saints. The Saints are a much better team than them, and they spanked the Saints. Went to the Packers game saying, okay, well, we beat the Saints, so maybe we have a shot against Green Bay, but ultimately Green Bay is a better team. Beat Green Bay. It's bad because I think they have a chance. Is that bad?
2: Uh, if it's bad, then I'm probably in trouble, too.
1: Oh, are you in on the bucks?
2: I may or may not have placed a wager on
1: said bucks. Moneyline or or three and a half
2: to win and cover.
1: Well, I mean, if they win, they do cover. That's how you
2: can do both. You can do both.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I know how gambling works. Yeah, but I'm saying like, if they win, they therefore cover. Correct. (laughs) Yes, because
2: I don't know if anyone knows this. The Chiefs are (laughs) favored. Yeah. No, I I think uh, you know the defense is the difference maker. I think the offense is going to do well.
1: The the real difference maker is the Chiefs' offensive line. That's the that's the only thing that beat you know prime Brady in New England, and it's the only thing that's going to beat prime Mahomes.
2: Yeah, no no Eric Fisher is is tough. That was that was brutal. You'd like to see the two teams compete one hundred percent and have their No, guys. no,
1: I mean if they have their third string offensive line, that's all I need. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nathan is not <laughs> Nathan is definitely not a Bucks fan. Never ever in a million years would he be. No, I, I think Bucks win a close one, but I do think the Bucs defense is the difference maker because they actually have a defense. The Chiefs do not.
1: And if you're gonna pick a non Brady Super Bowl MVP, who do you got?
2: Non Brady Super Bowl MVP is probably. So this is assume the Chiefs win, Travis Kelsey. I would assume. Okay,
1: I, I when I said non Brady, I meant like the Bucks.
2: <laughs> when the Bucks win, if he plays, I know he was out last week. Antoine Winfield Jr.
1: At the last time the Bucks won the Super Bowl. It was with the safety winning Super Bowl MVP, but I will, I will, I will get on one thing. If the Chiefs win, my Super Bowl MVP pick is McCall Hartman.
2: It could happen, right? He's got to show up eventually.
1: <laughs> All righty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Go Bucks! Uh, go, uh, uh, Antoine Winfield, if he plays. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Make sure to uh, like, subscribe, rate, review all those great things and uh, get your RodeVis subscription RV Radio 2021.
2: We love you a long time. Adu!